Before we dig in, let's look to the Lord in prayer. Father God, I echo the words that the psalmist wrote. Let the words of my heart and the, medita- the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be pleasing to you, O God, my rock and my redeemer. Amen. So last week, we started a series on the spiritual roadmap. Now, if you haven't seen in the main entrance, we've got a full document with lots of words. Um, I, I think it's Todd approved, right, Drew? Like Todd approves of, gave his seal on this. So we, we spent a lot of time putting this together. The whole purpose of putting together this long document was for us as a church to evaluate the programs that we're going through. To say to ourselves, when we do a program like Life, when we do ID, when we have youth group, when we're doing all the things that we do, how do we measure our success? What is the target that we're aiming for? And so we came up with, with all sorts of different with five different categories, experiences, relationships, biblical knowledge, spiritual habits, and uh, what's the last one? Oh, behaviors and worldview. And so we divided all sorts of different benchmarks into that so that we might be the most effective at doing the work of discipleship within these walls. I think it's helpful for us to think of it in terms of a GPS, Okay, you get in the car and you've got to go somewhere. What do you do? You punch in the address, right? You're looking at the destination. And so this spiritual roadmap is the destination that we would like to see every child who goes from the nursery to high school graduate reach this level of experience, of relationship, of biblical knowledge, and so on. This is the end point. This is the destination that we hope everyone gets to. Now, it's important for us to know and to note that every one of us is pointing towards this destination, but everyone in here has a different starting point, right? So the route that we take is different dependent upon where we start, right? Just like everyone came here this morning if you all took the route that I took, that would be pretty foolish, right? So if you're coming from Cronenwetter, it makes no sense to go take the route that I did. In fact, it doesn't do any sense, right? So we all had a different starting point to a destination, and so we need to understand that. Here's another thing that we also understand is life is hard, right? Life is hard. And sometimes you get to the bridge and the bridge is out. And the GPS says recalculating route. Right? Like that. Right? Like it's never, I never missed a turn. The GPS didn't tell me right. Right, man? When we're driving and it's like, you missed your turn. No, I didn't miss the turn. The GPS was wrong. Right? Like, and sometimes we just decide we're not going to follow the route. Sometimes we decide that we're going to get off track and we're going to go our own way and now we're hopelessly lost and the GPS says, hey, you're on your own. I told you what to do. I don't know what to do for you now. And sometimes in life, we get a flat tire and we're just stuck on the side of the road and it's raining and it just feels like you can't get anywhere. 
I recognize that. We know that life happens. And we know that we're going to go through bumps and we're going to make mistakes and we're all going to have struggles as we try and reach that. And that's okay. That's why we're here. We're here to help you fix tires. We're here to help you with bridges. That's why God gave us a family of faith. And so this morning, I want to focus on relationships. So that's one of them. We also, if you go out there, there's also these, I think they're even in the bulletins, there's a little breakdown of all the different ones. This is for high school. I thought I had one there. And if you look in your bulletin, which is a great thing to do, there's a little, a little, uh, overview of all the things that we're talking about this morning so you can look at that but then I encourage you to look at that and then also grab one of these because this shows you the heart and the desire of us as, as a church of where we want to see discipleship go let me say one more thing before we start this is not just this is a model for our ministries from nursery to high school but if you're out of high school, we expect you to keep growing too, right? Like this, you're not done when you graduate. We need to keep going. So whether you're 18 or 37 or 65 or 99, your job is until the Lord calls you home is to continue on the path of discipleship, okay? So you're not off the hook. It's for all of us. So let's dig into this idea of relationship. So let's go literally to the beginning. So here's God. And he, he and God the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit are like, you know what? We should make something. They went to a maker fair. They got their tools out. Really, God doesn't need tools, right? He's like, in the beginning, God made the heavens and the earth. And we could go through the whole narrative. God said, let there be light. God said, let the earth be filled with the creatures. And God said, it was good. God said, let it happen. Poof, it happened. And it was good. When we look at Rib Mountain in the fall, we're like, wow, that's beautiful. It's amazing. When we see these beautiful pictures of nature, we're saying, wow, that's good. But then, at the end of Genesis chapter 1, he says, let's make man, let's make humankind in our image. It says our image because this is a plural form of God. It is God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. I... I was tempted to get lost in that fact and make it more confusing, but when we read the scriptures, what's important for us is to remember that the main things are the plain things, right? And sometimes we can get so caught up in trying to think so deeply about something that is so unclear that we can just get, find ourselves lost, right? So, but here's what we know is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit said, we're going to make man in our image. That means that before God created us, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit were in relationship to each other, right? 
So I don't want to get lost in that, but let's, it's important for us to remember that as we look at relationships, the relationship between God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit happened and existed before we did. Relationships are not primarily a human thing. They are a God thing. Okay? So God says, let's make humankind in our image. And so he makes Adam. God says, this is very good. That mankind would reflect the glory of God that in his image, he made mankind. He didn't make the giraffes in his image. He didn't make the mountains in his image. He made you and I in his image. But then he says something very interesting. He says, it's not good for man to be alone. That God created us to be in relationship with one another. He created us for relationship. And when we follow that into the next chapter, into chapter 2, we see that Adam and Eve fell. Right? So Adam and Eve did the one thing that God told them not to do. God said, you can eat of any tree. This one, this one, this one, this Don't eat of this tree. And what do they do? They ate of this tree. And so I want to start this morning with knowing the fact that there are two different types of relationships. There's a horizontal relationship that we have with God that goes from God to us, and then there's a vertical relationship that we have with each other. And when Adam and Eve ate the fruit in the garden, this relationship was destroyed. That relationship got a flat tire. And mankind was off on the side of the road with no hope, waiting for someone to come help them. Waiting for someone to come help us. So let's fast forward. There's a whole lot in the Old Testament. I don't want to, you know, I don't have time to cover the whole Old Testament for you. You're probably thankful for that. So let's fast forward to Luke chapter 9. Here's Jesus. And the reason that he came here, the, his whole purpose in leaving heaven to come to earth was to help restore the horizontal relationship between between mankind and their heavenly Father. And so Jesus came with the purpose of restoring this. And of course, we know how he did that. Jesus came and he suffered and he died. And the transfiguration here is such an important moment because now these three men have seen him transfigured. They've seen him in his glory. They've heard the voice of heaven say, this is my son whom I love and whom I'm well pleased. And those three men will be the springboard to the church in the book of Acts. And ultimately, Jesus would suffer and die for the sins of the world. Paul says in 2 Corinthians, God made him who knew no sin to be sin for us 
so that in him we might have the righteousness of God. That Jesus came and they tried him as a criminal and then they hung him on a cross, which this is really bad enough that the creation, the thing that God created, tried him as a criminal and found him guilty. And then they hung him on a cross between two thieves and here's where the moment gets really tragic. Because while Jesus was on the cross, there is a moment where God put my sin on his shoulders. And at that moment, the relationship that had existed before mankind between God the Father and God the Son was broken. Because Jesus was carrying my sin. Because Jesus was carrying our sin. This relationship between God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit was broken from Friday afternoon till Sunday morning. It's the only time that it has ever happened. And it happened because of me. Because I choose the things of this world over the things of God. It's tragic, isn't it? And yet, in the greatest tragedy is the greatest beauty because in that moment, as he was resurrected, this relationship was there to all who believed who would receive to those who believed on his name, he gave the right to be called children of God. That, God. that Jesus did that. He experienced that pain when he said, why have you forsaken me? So that he might be restored to us. The writer of Hebrews said, it was for the joy that was set before him. It was the joy of being in relationship with us because he didn't have to come do that to experience the joy with being with God the Father and the Holy Spirit because you already have that. But there was a joy in being reconciled to you and I that this was Jesus' work on the cross was not just a charity, work of charity for us because we needed help and he gave us help. He finds joy in it. Do you understand that, church, that Jesus finds joy in being reconciled to you. Jesus came to restore the horizontal relationship, the vertical relationship. The vertical, this is horizontal, this is vertical. So now that we've been restored, now that we understand that when we ask Christ for forgiveness and he forgives our sins and we have been made children of God, the story doesn't end there, right? Because Jesus has got these three guys, Peter, James, and John. And it's so interesting. I, I really reflected on the life of Peter because Here's Jesus saying, you're restored. You're the rock on which I will build my church. And Peter's the one preaching at Pentecost, and he's the one seeing thousands added to the number daily. And yet, if you look 
at Mark's account of the transfiguration, just before, and it says six days before they went up to the mountain, Jesus asked Peter, what about you? Who do you say that I am? And Peter says, you're the Christ. And Jesus gives him the thumbs up, lots of likes on his Facebook account. Jesus is the Christ, likes, follows, comments. Peter, you're right on. And then a few moments later, they're having a discussion about Jesus coming to die. And Jesus looks at Peter and says, get behind me, Satan. Peter went from the top of the mountain to the deepest valley. And if you think about it, when they came to arrest Jesus, here's Peter saying, I'll never let them do that, Jesus. I'll die for you. I will die with you. And then the soldiers came, and here's Peter, the fisherman. He grabs a sword, and he was going to kill that soldier. He wasn't just trying to cut off the ear to make a statement. He was trying to kill him. And Peter was maybe a little hasty, but man, he was going to go there and he was going to die with Jesus in that moment, right? Then a few hours later, he's in the courtyard and the little girl says, didn't you know him? He says, no. I don't know about you, that feels a lot like my life. The highs and the lows. Man, and it feels like you hit the highs, and once you reach that high, you should prepare yourself for the fall like a roller coaster, right? Except the, the roller coaster is relatively gradual. This is like the whole bottom falls out, and you crash and you hit the ground. And yet, God used Peter to help others. God used Peter. God used someone that strayed off the GPS every single time. Someone that was so prone to mistakes, someone that was so into his own self that he couldn't even get it right when it would seem so easy. I want to condemn Peter, but I am Peter. That's me. When things seem so easy, you can just mess it up, can't you? And yet, God says, I want to use you. That we're here today not as perfect people. We're not here today to say, oh, look, look how great I am. Look how great God has brought me to and God has done such a great work in my life and you should be encouraged because God can do a great work in your life. But as, and by the way, those things are true. Like, I don't want to demean God's great work, but we are all broken people waiting to be fully restored to our spiritual perfection when we meet Jesus face to face. This is the place where we should be most comfortable being broken. This should be the place where we come and we can come together and we can say, wow, we're going to help you. That's why we're here. That's why we went through this. We went through this because we want to help you at whatever place you are in life. We want to be the relationships that help propel you to greater maturity in Jesus Christ. I don't know about you. There have been times in my spiritual walk 
where I just wanted to quit. There have been times in my spiritual walk where I wanted to be like Jonah and just sit there and be a bump on the log and complain about God all the time. Maybe I'm sharing too much. I didn't get any amens on that one. (laughs) In our humanity, we're prone to that. That's what Hebrews says. Let us not give up on meeting together as we're in the habit of doing, but let us continue to meet so we can spur one another on towards love and good deeds. Friends, God is here. The reason that God left us here, rather than taking us right to heaven when we made a profession of faith, like, think about this. If we were talking about worship, our worship would be greater with we were the angels in the presence of God, right? It would be much greater. We would have greater fellowship because we would stop sinning and we would stop doing things to mess everything up because we would be in heaven. The reason he left us here is so that we could build relationships with one another so that we could help each other along that way so that we can help people find that horizontal connection to Christ so that we can use the vertical, ah, vertical connection. We could use these horizontal connections to help propel the vertical. Friends, we can't be Christians in isolation. We can't live in spiritual quarantine. Like, I'm just going to live in my little house, and I'm going to live in my bubble, and I'm going to leave everyone alone. In fact, we should live as spiritual medical workers. The frontline heroes, the people who are on the front line. Yes, there's a, there's a disease in our world, and I, coronavirus has done so much and there's so much damage that have been there. But the spiritual virus of sin in this world, this prone, being prone to fall back in our own little bubbles and stay away from it. God is calling us to be on the front lines, to find people who we can mentor. And strictly referring here to our map, man, our kids our young people, our youth, they are on the front lines. Right there on the front lines every day. And we need to make sure that we are providing a safe place for these kids as they walk through a spiritual minefield. So what does that all mean? So what's the whole point? Is one, there's lots of opportunities for us to get involved. There's lots of opportunities to be in relationship with each other. Listen, maybe when we go to fellowship, you can see someone that you don't know and go introduce yourself and grab a donut and have a conversation with them. Because maybe that person who's sitting alone at a table is really sitting on the spiritual road with a flat tire. And maybe you can be the person that comes along 
and helps them get back on the road. Let's look for opportunities to do that. And by the way, like, maybe they're having a great day, and then maybe you guys can be blessed together, and you've made a new friend. You've built a new relationship, and we have strengthened the horizontal bonds within our church community that will help us bring the vertical bonds to the rest of our community. So let's take time to look into those relationships. Let's build relationships with one another so we can strengthen our relationships with God. Share something great that God did. Just go find someone and just share what God did in your life this week. Secondly, we are doing so much that we can do to try and help everyone reach our destination. We're offering kids classes. We're offering youth groups and and life. We're doing life every single week now. We've got ID classes, there's adult classes, there's, there's youth classes, we need teachers, we need volunteers, we need, we need people to attend the adult classes too. Like if you're like, I'm done with the kids, come hang out with the adults. By the way, so you should go to the adult class, right? Like I'm not just down on the adult. The adults are a lot scarier than the kids, right? <laughs> like I'm just saying, you guys are pretty scary. You're supposed to laugh at that. Like that was, come on, it was a joke. Like it was a joke. So, but man, whatever is your thing, like come to an adult class and meet people. Come to, to invest in the lives of the little ones or the teens. That's what Jesus came for. And by doing that, we can fulfill the mission that God has for us. There's also loads of opportunities for us to serve. Get involved in our hearts and hopes and wraps of warmth, ah, wrapped in warmth. We're going to talk about another ministry here shortly. Next summer, we're going to South Dakota. We're starting to build a team. We would love to have you come and join us in South Dakota. There's lots of ways for us to give back, for us to break our spiritual quarantine and go out and bring the message and the love of Jesus to those around us. Relationships are key. Just closing, the Pharisees came to Jesus. Matthew 22, and they said, Jesus, what's the greatest command? And they wanted him trapped, right? They're like, Whatever he says, we're going to ask him about another command. We're going to say, oh, so you think one command is greater than another. Who do you think you are, Jesus? You see, this is what I love about Jesus, because he's smarter than them. And so he says, you know what the greatest command is? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, your soul, your mind, and your strength. The vertical relationship, right? Love God. But Jesus doesn't stop. You can't limit what Jesus wants to teach us because Jesus says, hey, also, the second greatest command, since you're interested in creating a list, the second one is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself, the horizontal relationship. And then he adds one little thing. He says, all the law and the prophets hang on these two things. Jesus sums up all the law. Read all of Leviticus, and it comes down to one word, relationship, whether it's a relationship with God or whether it's our relationship with others. 
Think about it. Let's just do a brief, a brief rundown of the top 10 list, right? If I steal from my neighbor, am I loving him? Nope. Horizontal. If I am loving my neighbor, would I kill him? Nope. Horizontal. If I'm loving God, would I take his name in vain? No. Read through the commands and you will see that relationship is at the heart of them. In fact, if you read through the whole of Scripture, if you look at them, look at Scripture, when you read, when you read through Lamentations and when you read through Leviticus and Zephaniah, my, my personal favorite is Habakkuk, right? You read through Habakkuk, it's all about relationship. God said to Habakkuk, Tell the people that they've strayed from me. And because they've strayed from me, I'm going to punish them. Not because I want to punish them, because I want them to return to me. So as you read through Scripture, say, try and get off of the, the crazy intellectual discussions about what this Hebrew word means and why it matters and look at the pronoun, oh, whatever. It doesn't matter. Read about the horizontal relationships and how those Go through, and your view of Scripture will change. Relationships are so important. They are the heart of Jesus that we restore the, the vertical and restore the horizontal. Let me pray. Father God, thank you that you sent your Son to suffer and die for my sin. And Lord, I just pray that through the power of your Holy Spirit and through the power of the work on the cross, Lord, that we would find restoration with you and be restored in relationship with one another. So just guide us and lead us through the rest of this day. And we pray this in your name. Amen.